You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we are here to talk about a basketball game, but it threatened to turn into some kind of fight, I guess, in the third quarter. It, it feels like this has typically been a Bucks Pistons game of late. And it's kind of weird, Frank, because this is now 10 wins in a row over the Pistons by an average of 19.3 points. They're never close. The Pistons aren't really a team that bother the Bucks in any way, but they are a team that I'm at the point where I'm just like, I'd be happy not to play them again because I know they're not <laughs> going to beat the Bucks. And they just make plays that aren't basketball plays. And Blake Griffin tonight poked the bear and it did not end up well for them. Well, first off, there was that one game. I don't know if it was like December 17th or 18th or something. Some, it was some mid-December game Last because year. I was, I was, yeah, I was driving from Texas to Wisconsin for Christmas and stopped for the night in uh, Arkansas. Was I in Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas? I don't know. Little Rock or Memphis or I don't know where the hell I was. Um, so I ended up listening to the game on Sirius Radio while we were driving and then I watched it on my phone um after we got to the hotel um and i just always remember that was like remember that was like the dj wilson breakout game yeah and sterling brown and it's kind of like the dj and, and sterling also kind of breakout game like they both i think they both defended blake griffin a fair bit in that game and i think Giannis had 30 but then it came down to blake missing like a pretty open three i think um at the very end that uh, the bucks kind of survived but yeah other than that i mean it does feel like it's been a lot of pretty non-competitive games um i'm curious since blake griffin arrived in that trade have <laughs> they beaten the bucks at all you know i mean i think that's that's part of the subtext of a lot of these games and i think i remember last year telling eric um when the series was done with the pistons that i was just sort of like happy to be over with oh i think it was the, or maybe it was i think it was the the bulls as well i felt that way yeah, <laughs> like the Bulls and Pistons. Bulls because they had some weird games against the Bulls, but the Pistons it just felt like weirdly chippy. You know, there's like some weird stuff going on. And interestingly, last year before the playoff series, um, you know, Giannis was not. Other than that game in December, Giannis had some like kind of subdued outings against the Pistons. Like he has not, you know, he had not dominated the Pistons that much. And so that, that clincher game where he had like the 40 or whatever uh, in Detroit in the playoffs was kind of like cathartic in a little ways because it was like, you know, he really kind of took it to the Pistons in that series. But yeah, it's been a weird, it's kind of a weird, it's been kind of a weird vibe with them given the Bucks have just sort of pummeled them <laughs> for the past year and a half at this point. And um, I don't know, tonight, I kind of hesitated when you said, you know, almost going to a fight because it was like, 
it was just a lot of like it was just a lot yeah. of like little bullshit you know like it, it was there were no like super hard fouls there were no obviously no actual punches thrown um no like super like real big square offs but it's just like really you know elbows and forearms and just like stuff you know and and i think to be honest i mean we can say like well whatever you know you beat the pistons in a random game in december great um but i think games like this are are can be kind of instructive just in the sense that you know Giannis is going up against a guy in blake who can really test him defensively and Blake has been weirdly competent against Giannis offensively, at least when he's been on two legs, which he might not be right now, especially yeah. on a back-to-back. But, yeah. um, but I think it, I think it is a good test, just like <laughs> you know, mentally, to kind of put up with the BS of a game like this and the chippiness and the kind of frustration, and um, you know, to kind of just fight through that and and just ultimately, obviously, you know, in, at the end, one twenty-seven, one hundred three, you know, Bucks really kind of put the put the wood to the pistons eventually um and you know for the most part i think controlled this game really you know second quarter they really took a charge and you mentioned Giannis, 35 points hit four out of eight threes seven out of nine free throws woo five out of uh, seven we'll get to that i think we might be able to thank blake (laughs) yeah but but yeah i mean i think it was you know this was one of those games where you're just sort of like happy to get it over with happy to get out of detroit um but yeah just a weird kind of a weird vibe and and probably kind of fitting given given everything that's happened with the pistons and bucks over last year yeah, so now I feel like I need to need to make a point that um, I don't want to. I definitely don't want to come across like that uh, Philly radio announcer acting like there was nearly some huge wild brawl <laughs> like Malice in the Palace times two. Like that's not what I was getting. At. But if you're asking me, like if, if I'm playing any type of sport, what's going to annoy me maybe more than anything? It, it would be just all that little bullshit that you're talking about, and there was a lot of that stuff that uh, just seemed to be allowed to happen with like whether they're pulling on Giannis a jersey whether they're throwing an arm at him you know like that kind of annoying stuff and it felt like um and, and it probably wasn't just directed at Giannis I mean we saw a bunch of frustration from from other players out on the floor obviously Brooke was about to pick up a tech and then Bud got one for him then Wes Matthews picked up a tech just after that five technical fouls called overall in this game but probably you know, the, the interesting or the, the most notable part of this game, if you want to look at other than what was happening directly basketball-related stuff, was the foul on Giannis where Brown sort of comes across to double-team Giannis in, in the right corner and he fouls Giannis. And then I, for, I was kind of surprised that, that out of all the replays we got, I mean, there was about a six-minute stoppage for this play. I was kind of surprised that uh, Marcus and Jim didn't pick up on the fact that it looked like Brown might have, and it wasn't like a vicious shove or anything like that. It was like really not that much, but Brown sort of shoved Giannis to the floor. Griffin sort of nudged him with his knee on the way down and then half stepped over him. Chris Milton comes running in. Uh, He didn't like that. It was, you know, probably disrespectful at that point. Giannis and Blake are going back and forth at each other a little bit. But when this happens, it's 8.15 to go in the, in the third quarter. The Bucs have a 66-57 lead. And while, again, you didn't think that the Bucs were going to lose this game, it was close enough that if something happens there and, and tempers sort of fray a little bit, there'd already been a few techs. If someone gets thrown out or, or even just the, the simple fact that maybe the Pistons get a bit of a boost from this and go on a run, uh, this could be an interesting moment in the game. And uh, Eric asked, Eric uh, name asked 
Giannis about that incident after the game and what he was thinking about this at, at that time because Giannis sort of just sat on the floor and he was almost just like he had that look on his face like I can't be bothered dealing with this anymore like this is just annoying and the quote from Giannis after the game was uh, when he was asked what he was thinking about he said actually nothing at that point I was just tired I was like they're going to do this all night at first I was like trying to talk back trying to let them know this is more than basketball. We can stop playing basketball. We can fight. <laughs> At the end of the day, my teammates want me in the game. My teammates want me to keep my head in the game. And I was like, whatever. At this point, whatever. And <laughs> that's what that, that was the look that he had on his face. The end of the third quarter really finished this game. So from that point on, in the last 8-15, from a 67-57 lead, the Bucks take a 92-72 lead after three. Giannis has 12 points in that. He's six, uh, five for five from the free throw line in that time. And I think maybe hits the deepest three he's hit in his career. <laughs> and, and the game was over. And that just felt like the tipping point of when Giannis said, all right, I, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. Right, Blake, I'm just going to go straight at you. He drew, drew three fouls on, on Griffin in the, in the minutes after that. And that really finished the game. Yeah, we've seen, um, we've seen some further out through Giannis threes the last few games, haven't we? Um, I mean, that was a deep one. That was real. That was yeah. Brook Lopez range. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think it was a catch and shoot, if I recall correctly. And we've seen him um, hit a few of those, like catch and shoot from the top of the key, which, again, is not kind of typically his MO. You know, he's normally kind of pulling up off the dribble with the defender sort of on, on their heels a little bit. Um, so it, it, it's been interesting. I mean, he, he hits four out of eight from deep tonight um i did some quick math after the game he's back up to around 32 percent on threes uh he's 36 of 110 i believe now and it was kind of funny because um you know i i was watching part of that rockets spurs game the other day and and i think harden went like four out of 20 from three and still scored 50 points because he took you know 30 whatever shots (laughs) and, and a ton of free throws and um I was kind of sort of thinking, I was like, what if Giannis was just like, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to like gun. I'm just going to jack up. Anytime I have any room on a three, I'm just going to put it up. I'm just going to drive and get, try to get jump. I'm, you know, I'm going to shoot mid range jumpers. If I have mid range jumpers open, I'll drive if I have, you know, lanes, whatever, but I'm just going to put up 35 to 40 shots tonight and just see what happens. You know, like I was kind of curious, like what if Giannis is like decided he was, just taking crap and crap, crap, crap loads of shots, right? Like what would happen? <laughs> and I was sort of like, what if he, I mean, like if he took 15 threes, like what, you know, what would that even look like? Um, and it was funny tonight cause he was two out, of, two out of five in the first half. So, you know, he was on pace to take 10 threes. Obviously he was, which would be, I, I think that's a career high. It is, is I, I'd have to double check if eight is, is um, I know he shot eight previously. It was three out of eight uh, earlier this season, once or twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is now like getting to sort of high volume Giannis three department, and um, it it's obviously really really hard for for opponents when when he's doing that. I mean, you, I mean, I think people can recall. I mean, Andre Drummond has sort of like kind of openly mocked him like to to mm-hmm. shoot threes when they've played the Pistons, and so there was something particularly enjoyable about Giannis, you know. I guess tying a Kerr high right with uh with four threes tonight against the Pistons. So uh yeah, pretty cool. I mean, you know, I think now it's you know, he's granted he's sort of still hovering, been hovering a little south now, a little north of thirty percent now for a while. Um but I mean if you ask me like would I take thirty two percent from three this year? Sure. That's fine. You know, I mean I'm I'm good with that. 
Uh, I mean, like Luca shoots about 32% from three. He takes harder threes. He gets like step backs and stuff. But, um, but, you know, I think just as far as being a credible threat uh, and having that diversity in your game and forcing teams to think about defending you out there, I think it's, it's, uh, it's good enough. And, you know, on a night like this, I think it, it was obviously a big part of, you know, that run he had where he really kind of was the, the talisman of, uh, of taking a game that was not, maybe not really close, but, uh, it was in that sort of eight point range on a number of occasions and just sort of kind of blowing the game open a bit. Yeah. So this is something that I was actually thinking about a couple of days ago and you, you sort of reminded me just by talking about that. So, uh, and I just looked it up. So the eight, eight, three point attempts, uh, does equal a, a career high. He's done that four times now. And, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to say three of those have been this season, I think. Um, but over the last six games, he's got up 30, 38 threes. So he's going at 6.3 a game. And I was kind of, yeah, thinking about this a few days ago. And I'm interested to see what you think. Is there a number where you're just like, all right, uh, chill out now, Giannis? Because there's certainly this last sort of stretch, uh, as I said, five or six games. I mean, he is, particularly in the first half, I mean, he's coming out gunning. And he is shooting these threes and there's no hesitation. We saw tonight uh, there was two occasions where he had the ball at the free throw line and certainly in years gone by, he would try and either force his way into a, a post-up position, kick it out to the three or spin his way to the basket. Now he's got so much confidence that he's just like, all right, well, I'm just going to back it out to the three-point line. You're not going to guard me. And I trust that sort of off the dribble straightaway three and I'm going to knock that down. And he did one on, uh, hit one on Blake Griffin today and then another on uh, Andre uh, Drummond. And that was before the catch and shoot that we already mentioned. So yeah, 6.3 over the last six games. He's up over five attempts per game on the season. Where, I mean, where isn't, does this settle for him? Do we think? Because this is certainly trending up. Yeah, I mean... Maybe it is about six a game, you know. I, I, I mean, two point eight. Two point eight was the the most he'd taken per game coming into this season, by the way. So this is a this is a huge jump. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could certainly see it ending up in in that that range, just because, um, you know. I, I and the funny part is, it's not like teams. I mean, we saw. I think there was one three that he missed where like the Pistons really just. I mean, they were just daring him to shoot. They weren't anywhere close to him. Um, but I mean, most of these threes now, I mean, the guy is like in the vicinity, like you can generally, I mean, as we always talk about, you can generally as a, you know, as us, as fans, like we can read typically like when he wants to shoot a three. And I think def- <laughs> defenses are beginning to figure that out too. Cause you know, they're pretty much all coming from the top of the key now, um, when he's shooting these threes, uh, and you know, again, he looks to kind of get that rhythm off the dribble with his left hand. And so I think. Um, I mean, they're again, not that they're like heavily contested, but guys are like at least contesting in the ballpark when he's shooting, I think most of these threes at this point, they're not like, you know, guy sagging 15 feet off and daring him to shoot him type, type shots anymore. So, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I think, I don't think, I I don't expect people are ever going to be like face guarding him out there, like for fear of him shooting threes or something like that. I mean, if he's shooting, you know, 30, 33% or something there. It's not like anybody's that worried about it, especially relative to what he can do off the dribble. So, uh, so I think he's going to continue to have the ability to shoot these, even if he hits them at a decent clip. And, you know, I think so much of the Bucks' offense now, I mean, justifiably so, obviously involves with Giannis 
handling the ball in those spots. And especially if he starts to shoot, you know, a little bit more of these catch and shoot threes, which historically he's been bad at, but if he gets more comfortable doing that as well, um, then, then yeah, I mean, six may be a, a decent over under for the rest of the season. So, um, you know, per 36 minutes right now, he's at five and a half uh, for the season. And that was before tonight. Uh, so and he's actually already basically he's over halfway to his attempts from last year. Last year he was at 203. <laughs> he's already at 110. And he's, you know, at fewer than a third of the number of games played as last year. He's now at 22 games for 72 a year ago. So, yeah, I mean, he's obviously trending to just obliterate his his personal, you know, career career high, which was last year for number of threes shot. And, you know, he's already at 35 uh, threes made, which, you know, last year he made 52 all season. <laughs> so, um, you know, so at this point he's, you know, he's well on pace to more than double his career high. So uh, I think it's interesting to say, well, is this like, you know, is this too much, right? Because even if he's hitting 32%, you know, you're, your expected value from Giannis three is, you know, 0.96. If he's hitting 32%, you know, 0.96 is lower than, you know, his overall expected points per shot, um, you know, previously when he didn't shoot many threes. Uh, so you could say, well, you know, is that really a, a good trade-off? Um, but I think it is. I think the diversity is, is a positive thing overall. Um, and the fact that he makes three, it's not like he's a guy who makes threes, you know, early in games, and then he gets tired and can't make them, you know, in second halves or something like that. Like he's been pretty consistent, I think, uh, you know, as far as when in games he's able to shoot them. And, you know, you look at his effective field goal percentage last year is 599 this year it's 601. Um, so, you know, he's shooting slightly better overall on twos, 64.7% versus 64.1%. Um, so yeah, I mean, a two pointer has a much more higher expected value than a three when it's Giannis shooting it. Um, I mean, to put that in perspective, right. If Giannis shot, you know, 44% from three, then, you know, you, you turn it in the equivalent, that's 66%, uh, you know, effective field goal percentage. He's at 65% just on twos. Right. I mean, just to give you a sense of how incredibly efficient he is on any on, on all of his two-point shots you know it's basically like the equivalent of of you know Steph Curry plus shooting threes um so while he is not Steph Curry shooting threes um it doesn't water down his his uh his total efficiency that much just because he's still obviously shooting many more two-point shots so the fact that his effective field goal percentage which you know ignores free throws um is still you know slightly higher than last year I think his true shooting is down from 64% to 61%. But I think a lot of that obviously is the foul shooting, which has obviously been disappointing at 58% coming into this game. So, um, so yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely, I think it's an interesting, I think it's a plus. Um, I, I mean, it's fun, right? Just having that, that different element in his game and just forcing defenses to have one more thing they have to account for. I think so too. And and the, the important thing to, to note when you talk about all these just basic percentages and we're saying, okay, yeah, Giannis is shooting 32%. Uh, you have to remember exactly what you just pointed out. He's on track to shoot twice as many as he did last year when he only shot 27%. So when you consider the volume as well, at the moment, he's on, on pace to just be just have a significant improvement in shooting because uh, while he was hitting them last year, they were, I just he wasn't shooting them with as, as conf, the confidence that he is now, 
And when you look at the fourth quarter, I looked this up when he hit that one uh, in the fourth quarter tonight. So he's 37% from three in the fourth quarter. Now that's only uh, 10 for 27. That is, it, is, it is a small sample, but 37% in the fourth quarter and 42% uh, on pull-ups in the fourth quarter. And, and we've seen him, uh, that's the shot he's taking. And I think it becomes significant in the fourth quarter because that's when, uh, if it's a close game, teams are like, okay, well, let's just pack it in. Let's just pack the paint. Let's not let Giannis get in there. And uh, we'll be able to slow down this Bucks team. Is certainly what we've seen in the past. If those numbers continue and potentially even continue to, to get better, uh, that uh, changes things. And there was a possession in the second quarter. Now, uh, there's a few... Uh, you know, things we need to point out here. I am talking about uh, Derek Rose defending, but there was one pick and roll with Eric Bledsoe that stood out to me tonight. I think it was in the second quarter where it was a Bledsoe Giannis pick and roll and Giannis uh, set the screen. He, he, he wasn't quite out on the three point line. He was maybe a step in from the three point line and Bledsoe uh, had the ball dribbled to the basket. He ended up pulling up for a mid-range shot, which whatever, you know, it's, it's, you, can, you can take or leave that from, from Bledsoe. Uh, Drummond was standing in front of him. But Rose didn't even bother trying to defend Bledsoe. He just stayed with his hand on Giannis's chest at the perimeter. And it was just interesting to see because the more you start to see that, and if, if like, that's like the next level of defending Giannis. Like, if, if people actually feel like uh, Giannis is a little bit of a threat, to pick and pop, which is just a ridiculous thing to even think about and say at this point. But if that becomes uh, something that that defenses take semi seriously, then uh, I mean that that is just a huge weapon. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, you know, it's obviously not something that they're getting like tons and tons of offense through because it's just yeah. hard to get guys the ball a lot in a pick and roll, um, or at least like in like a you know, you know the, the kind of idealized play of of Bledsoe being able to throw that little pocket pass to Giannis coming down the middle of the lane um it's it's hard to do that more than once or twice a game just because again defenses just don't give it up that that easily um but I I think I think Bledsoe is I think shown a nice um I I think they've shown I think a building relationship between the two of them in in that scenario I think Middleton and Giannis have shown that for you know a couple years now that that good sense of timing in those pick and, <coughs> excuse me, pick and roll situations. And I'm fine with Giannis, you know, using that pick and roll. Like if they, if teams switch to like use that to isolate him at the foul line against a smaller defender. Um, I, let's just say this. I don't think Giannis should be popping to the three point line, <laughs> to Jack threes out of those. I still think he's best. He did a lot to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, you know, he's not, he's not doing it to necessarily get, three-point shots off you know if he's not rolling to the rim it's typically because he wants to get a catch against a smaller guy or, or something like that at the foul line but um but yeah I mean I think the Bucks have found a, a pretty nice balance and Giannis is fine I think found a pretty nice balance in terms of you know the different types of ways that that he's creating offense I mean he's obviously getting um looks from from post-ups which you know are always going to be a bit lower efficiency but I think you know uh, you, I think it's just again about throwing different looks and and certainly in some matchups like Giannis is obviously just very difficult to contain down there um but that combined with you know catching at the elbow combined with you know catching it just up top and putting him in those um inverted pick and rolls where you know Bledsoe or Hill or Dante or Corver try to give him a screen and let him start going downhill um I think it's just you know it is just positive right I mean just keeping variety in there and and that's the thing right like you 
obviously you just want to avoid predictability. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is about the three point shot. It just adds, you know, an element of unpredictability in terms of, you know, what is Giannis going to do? I mean, he's the most deadly rim finisher, rim attacker in the league. One of the most deadly in the history of the freaking sport. And now, you know, if he can actually hurt you uh, doing the exact opposite of, of going downhill, um, you know, that that's obviously valuable. And I think probably the, the next, you know, if we are presumptuous enough to say that he's going to continue hitting threes at a respectable enough clip, um, I think probably that that next level of development is kind of what we were talking about when after that Pacers game where it's, okay, you know, watch a guy like Blake Griffin. You know, Blake's become a good three-point shooter, and now he also has weaponized the threat of his three-point shot so that he's not just shooting threes to shoot threes, but he's shooting threes to set up his pump fake and then his drive game and, you know, basically keep defenses guessing. Uh, so that that's probably, you know, like the uh, galaxy brain Giannis uh, next evolution of, shoot, of you know, play is, is provided he can continue to hit threes at a reasonable level. You know, teams are, are actually, they're contesting these, th- these shots. And, you know, I think Eric and I talked about it last year, how it seemed like it, he did it more last year than this year, ironically. But, you know, Giannis would like sometimes like hit a three and then he would like pump fake, like get a catch pump fake and get, a guy to jump out at him and then drive to the basket. Right. And it sort of was like, well, why, why are those guys like jumping out at Giannis? Like, you know, clearly you'd rather have him shoot that than, than drive to the basket. But, you know, again, I mean, it's three point error. Like guys are kind of like instinctively thinking that, you know, if a guy looks like he's going to shoot a three, I should contest it. So, um, you know, I think off the dribble is probably the hardest part, right? Like having the kind of hesitation moves and kind of feints and different little like counter moves and things like that. So that you, you know, especially given his, his pull-up game is the main way he shoots threes, you know, can he get it to the point where, you know, he can actually get guys to bite on thinking that he's going to shoot that pull-up. Cause right now it's like, they kind of know he wants to shoot a pull-up and then he just shoots it anyway, but can he use it now to, to kind of set up other stuff? That's probably the, the next level thing, but, but yeah, it, it's nice. It gives us something to, to talk about, you know, while we're bored to death during this 13 game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm glad. You know what? You were you were just talking then, and I was. Did thinking, we even talk about the 13 game winning? No. I don't even know if we've mentioned that yet. But. No, I don't think we mentioned that. I went. I flew off the handle straight away. Wanted to talk about Fight Night in in Detroit. So that's. Um, I'll, I'll take the blame for that. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose absolutely any game and call it? Well, if you are, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge straight into cash. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code Locked on NBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked on NBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. 
I mean, this is this feels like the most we've we'll spoken about Giannis in, in quite a while, even including I think the the fifty point game. But yeah, it, it's it's fun to see him adding different things because as you as you said, I mean, he's such a dominant force already. So every time you see a, a little uh, different wrinkle in his game or, or something that the the opposition are doing differently to defend him, it's it's really notable, and we just continue to see. Uh, Giannis evolve uh, as a player uh, almost almost nightly and uh, but you as you just touched on it 13 games in a row they're now 19 and 3 the Lakers absolutely handled the Jazz I was I was watching the end of that game uh, just before and I don't know what was I don't know what was more impressive the Lakers or uh, how disappointing the Jazz continue to be but the, the Jazz are a mess the Lakers are also 19 and 3 uh, now joining the Bucks but in this one did anyone else stand out to you? I, I think Chris Milton's interesting. I, he, I think he looks really good since coming back. Again, yeah. he, he only plays 25 minutes again. But the, the thing I really like is he's passing since he's came back. So he's had 19 assists across the five games, which, I mean, it's not like it's a huge jump up for him, but he is playing uh, seriously limited minutes. And the other thing I like is he seems to be, and this is probably a thing we've seen across the, the whole season so far uh, compared with last year, but it seems to me, and when we we always talk about the diversity in the offense, it seems like Bart is happier for him to get to his spots in the mid-range, get those post-ups, maybe even more than he was doing last year because that's such an effective uh, position for him to score. And we continue to see him take advantage of those uh, mismatches down there. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was going to, I guess, say like one word to describe what Chris has been like since he came back, I would say just control. Like, it just yeah. seems like he's extremely... <laughs> Oh man, I cannot shake this cough. I'm, I apologize. Uh, it just seems like he's very under control. Um, just you know, knows where he's trying to get, knows the spots he's trying to get, uh, and you know, again, as much as you might look at him and say, "Well, he's not doing anything really explosively. Um, he's not you know playing with this like incredible speed or athleticism that a guy like Giannis plays." But uh, but again, it's just that combination of you know, he's a pretty big guy for his position. Um, he's, you know, I'd say reasonably strong for his position, his handle, his passing, and obviously his shot making are, are all above average relative to, you know, his size and, and the position that he plays. And so, um, you know, that's the thing, like people complain that he, you know, isn't great at this or that, but he's just kind of good at everything. Um, and I think, you know, that means that he can just do a lot of you know, kind of do just different things in the offense. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we should be shocked at all that he's integrated just fine with the starters. Uh, <laughs> Bucks have not suddenly, you know, <clears throat> struggled to figure out, oh, how do we, how do we get used to playing with, you know, Chris Middleton instead of Dante DiVincenzo in the starting lineup? Like, they're fine. It's, it's fine, guys. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was reading a real GM and, oh, what was the phrase? Somebody... It was about, you know, should should um, Chris Middleton go back in the starting five, which I know we talked about the other day. And the phrase was something like, there's no, there's no justifiable reason for putting Chris yeah. back in the starting five right now or something of that effect. And it's just like, am I, am I crazy? Like, there's no justifiable reason for putting Chris Middleton back in the starting five of the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, Really, guys? Like, we, you know, like, I mean, Dante's been really refreshing. I like what Dante's brought. I'm happy that he had the chance to start. I think it was a really positive thing, and they won all those games. But, like, 
what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just, is just, I don't know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think Chris has just been really, really solid, really steady. Uh, and you know, he wasn't, his assist numbers were down early in the season and I thought that was a little bit interesting. Um, but it seems like since he's come back, even with the limited minutes, um, just seems like he's shown just, again, just really good control. Just he's seen the floor. Um, I think his passing has been really good. And, you know, again, I think three point shot hits a couple tonight. I think, uh, you know, I think as long as that's there and, and again, he's getting to his spots, which certainly, I mean, that was the big probably friction point, obviously the first couple of months of last year culminating in that benching in New York where it just, you know, it seemed like he was trying to figure out like, how does he reconcile the game that he sort of is used to playing versus the way the bucks want to play under bud. And it just seems like he's just seems like he's in a pretty good spot right now. And, um, you know, obviously that's, that's a positive thing. I think Friday is going to be a big test for, for Chris and the bucks more generally, just because, you know, there's no place to hide when you're, when you're Chris Middleton and, and the other team is Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's, that's a, a really tall order. And I'm going to be curious to see kind of how they, uh, how they kind of run the matchups in that game. But, um, I think the only thing for sure is that Chris Middleton is never going to be able to take a possession off defensively <laughs> and he's going to be going up against, you know, uh, an all NBA, all defensive team, uh, wing defender every time he's got it on the other end. So, um, yeah, I think definitely going to be a spotlight on him to see, you know, can he be, you know, if, I mean, if he can shoot decently and give you a decent night offensively, I think he'd be pretty thrilled just given the level of defense he's going to be facing. And obviously he's going to have to be working on both ends really hard, but um, you know, I think just coming back from that injury, the fact that they've been able to ease him in, not have to play in big minutes, you know, generally it's been a really positive uh, week or week or whatever it's been since he came back. I'm really curious with, and, and again, you mentioned control and it, it's just an interesting thing to think about for me. And I'd love to get the chance to talk to him about this because when you consider last year, I, I always like think about the mental side of things. Last year, there's a guy that is playing for a contract or he knows that he's going to get paid in the summer. So there's lots of things going on there. This summer, he gets paid. And I'm sure that these players, I mean, they're aware. Like He, he would be aware that, okay, well, now I'm paid this much money. Uh, I, had, I was on a really good deal before, but now there's some pressure with uh, uh, to whatever level you're supposed to play to to justify that money. I don't know what that is, but... Uh, then he plays for, for Team USA. So he doesn't get much of a break over the summer, comes into the season. And we, we, I think we briefly touched on this, the fact that maybe, I mean, you don't want him to get hurt, but uh, maybe a few weeks off was good for him. Because when you look at the start of this season, in the first 10 games that he did play, 29 assists and 23 turnovers. Um, and he was a little bit sloppy with the ball. And I don't know whether that's uh, Chris trying to force things, whether that's maybe fatigued uh, after playing so much basketball through the summer. I'm not too sure. We, we, we speak before about Chris never really striking you as a guy that comes into the season in just optimal shape. I mean, that's not, that's not what you think of when you think about Chris Middleton. Not that he's dreadfully out of shape, but he seems like a guy that plays himself into form. And then since being back in the last five games, I mentioned those 19 assists, but just three turnovers. So I, I think control is a great word. He has, he just seems to be uh, in a better place than he was to start the season. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we, we obviously focus a lot on, on Eric Bledsoe and Eric Bledsoe's headspace and where will it be, you know, come April, May and June of next year. Um, but I don't think we can take for granted Chris Middleton either. Right. Because I mean, I think Middleton was, 
you know, okay against the Raptors. He had obviously one of the toughest jobs in that series, having to defend Kawhi alongside with Brogdon getting a lot of those minutes as well. But, you know, Middleton was kind of the primary guy to start games and, you know, having to be defended by Kawhi for a period. And then obviously Kawhi then focusing on Giannis, but, you know, Danny Green is <laughs> like not exactly like a a, a welcome sight uh, yeah. to be defended by Danny Green either. Um, so he could have definitely could have been better in that series, but you know, it certainly wasn't bad. Um, and so I think you know when you think about wherever the Bucks, you know, whoever the Bucks are going to have to go through in the playoffs this year, you know, whether it's Philly and all the kind of wing size and, and scoring talent that they have um, on their wing, um, whether it's you know Boston and just they have you know four kind of like wing players who are all very good who you know can do different things uh or obviously the clippers or even the lakers right we talked about chris is probably going to be the guy that would have to start defending lebron uh if you played you know the lakers in the finals especially if they uh stayed with uh with kind of a traditional big man uh you know you'd have Giannis on anthony davis and uh you'd have to figure out how to how to have chris you know manage with LeBron, which he's done in the past. It's not like that's new. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of take Chris for granted a lot of the time just cause you know, he didn't have the issues that Bledsoe had last year, but, uh, I mean, again, as incredible as Giannis is when it all comes down to it. And, you know, again, this is where all the, the Brogdon stuff always comes in. Giannis will need help and, you know, it's going to start with Chris and, and Bledsoe and, and obviously, those guys playing at, you know, a good level and looking confident and, and being happy playing with them team concept is really important. And it, it's been interesting. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about blood. So he's, he kind of continued he had a couple of questionable shots tonight, like early, but then kind of just, I don't know. He just sort of did a lot. He did more of his sort of like, I'm going to be a pure point guard thing again for long stretches of this game. And, <laughs> has another double digit assist game. Um, and then in that fourth quarter, I think it was, I think it was in the fourth or maybe it was the late third, but he was in the fourth where, um, you know, basically he just decided he was going to just bully Derek Rose on the other end a couple times. And, you know, pretty much just got to the basket and got some layups when, you know, the bucks were sort of making sure that they took care of business and, and put the game away. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting season for so far for Bledsoe as well. But, you know, again, about a quarter of the way into the season, I think, you know, especially for me being kind of paranoid, you know, I'm always worried. I was always just worried, like, okay, please, Bledsoe, Lopez, Middleton, like nobody just like have a garbage year. Like I, I, I just, I don't want to deal with that going into the playoffs of like, well, this guy was really disappointing or couldn't shoot or whatever. <laughs> and so far, so far at least, you know, other than Brooks uh, three-point shooting, you know, these complimentary guys have generally played as well or or in some cases even better than than last year, which obviously is – you know, a big reason why they're, they're in the position they are as far as, you know, being 19 and three. Yeah. Bledsoe's just that guy that, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know why it is. And maybe it's just the fact that Giannis and Chris are there and the Bucks just generally get the job done. Anyway, I'm, I'm not too sure, particularly in the, in the regular season I'm, I'm talking about, because, you know, when you see him go off for those high 20 point nights, 30 point nights, you're just like, huh, you kind of like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. You can do that from time to time. And probably really what he just needs to do. And, and uh, I mean, again, this isn't the, the shock take or anything from me, but you would like to see him in a playoff game have one of those nights. And, and I'm not talking about a first-round matchup with Detroit, but, you know, in the second round in the conference finals, just have that 30-point night where he's like, yeah, I can use my size. I can use my physicality. I'm going to uh, bully my way to the basket and I'm going to get uh, efficient points, which he generally is a really efficient scorer once he gets to those spots. So... 
yeah, it's kind of strange with him how he sort of floats in and out of games. I, I don't really know why. Um, and I, I do think part of it is the fact that he does just defer to someone like Giannis. It's like, yeah, man, you, you, you take it. But yeah, I don't know. Bledsoe continues to be a, a bit of a question mark, but undoubtedly he has had a pretty good regular season so far. And that, that does make you feel a little bit better about uh, everything that went on in the, in the summer. But yeah, the Clippers up next. This one is going to be fun. And we have got tomorrow. So I, I don't know, you know, how deep we want to bother getting into that now, but, before we did think about wrapping this up, I, I had to bring up what we saw last night with the Rockets because, <laughs> I mean, you know, first of all, it's ridiculous. Like, it's one of the most ridiculous you know, officiating things I've ever seen in my life that uh, Harden can dunk a ball. And it, it, first of all, the, the, the officials, whatever. I don't even know how you want to describe the fact that they, they didn't review it. They said it wasn't reviewable, whatever. And now we don't know what's going to happen with that game that ended up going to, to double overtime. But it just seemed so fitting that it was the Rockets of all teams that ended up on the wrong end of this like uh, incident. <laughs> because rightly or wrongly, their reputation as being a complaining, whining franchise has not been dealt any favours by this situation, even if they are 110% accurate. Yeah, I mean, that's the irony is it was, you know, clearly a terrible call. It, it does not seem like, I mean, the the actual call and, and what was called and what the refs told the pool reporter after the game, um, it, it just does not, I mean, the officiating just, I, I just don't think they really had a clear explanation for, for what happened. And, you know, the ref claimed that, uh, you know, 30 seconds, had passed before the Rockets even tried to challenge it, um, which is you have to, you have to challenge a a call using the the coach's challenge within 30 seconds. Um, But it sounded like Mike D'Antoni said that, well, it was an out of bounds call. So they said it couldn't be challenged. So just officially the officiating just doesn't come off looking like they handled the situation (laughs) well at all. And of course, you know, fundamentally, you know, the, the commissioner of common sense would say, okay, like we've got a replay booth. We've got officials who, you know, way too many times every game walk over to the scores table and put on headsets and watch TVs and stuff. Like we, you know, can we just, can we just be reasonable and, and say, yes, the ball went through the goddamn hoop. You know, I mean, we, (laughs) you know, like Sakakis comes back and reviews like if foot feet were on lines to say if, yeah, three pointers or two, you know, they do stuff like that all the time. Right. So, I mean, clearly that this should have been handled in a different way um, or, or shots, you know, after a buzzer, right. Like a after a shot clock buzzer or a halftime buzzer or something like that. Right. Like sometimes points get taken off the board or added to the board, you know, later, you know, like a minute or two later, whatever, after a, a commercial break. Um, clearly that's what should have happened in this, in this game. Um, that said, ironically, I kind of wonder if that if if because because if you watch the play, Harden like kind of immediately chases after the ball, yeah, like yeah, almost yeah. like he didn't think that it went in. And I bet if he doesn't do that, I have a feeling like the refs may have come together and just been like, "Wait, that went that went in, right?" But Harden Harden almost looked like 
he was he was confirming it didn't go in based on the fact that he chased after the ball and i think that was the official ruling was that it went out of bounds on him if i remember correctly um so anyway yeah just a weird thing but i think the net net for me which i think is really kind of probably where you're where you're heading with this is i mean because I, I was looking this up because I was like, well, how many protests have there been? I, I, I can't remember a protest. And there was one during the David Stern era, which was, you know, roughly, it's basically been, you know, almost 40 years of, of David Stern and Adam Silver being commissioners of this sport. And it was in 2008. And it was when basically the Hawks of like score, you know, scorekeepers screwed up and basically had Shaq foul out of a game that he only had five fouls. in. so, to me, that's a very different situation, right? I mean, that's you're talking about basically like the Hawks home home cooking basically screwed over the heat <laughs> in that game. It wasn't the refs really that, you know, the refs don't like, you know, have calculators where they're, you know, track or phones where they're, you know, logging fouls. That that's that's on the, the game ops crew. So to me, that's a very different situation than this, which is just basically a referee error. And I think the you know, I think the official language is something like if it's a misapplication of the rules, then you can protest it. But it's like, aren't we just talking about bad calls at that point? You know, like, uh, yes, the ball went through the basket, but there's pretty regularly bad calls on like basket interference where the ball goes through the basket and it doesn't count when it should. Yeah. So I don't know. It just feels like to to grant a protest where you replay the last, you know, eight minutes of this game or whatever, um, I just think that's a huge can of worms and granted this was such a bizarre play, but I just can't, I just can't imagine, you know, of all the things that have happened. uh, I mean, think about the bucks, right? Like the play where Giannis stepped out of bounds in Oklahoma city on that last second play, you know, you can find different examples, right? There's so many things that have happened, which are like more egregious and actually in like a final second play. Um, I, I just, I just can't see like, how you'd actually for this for this game you know say that oh no we're gonna like you know roll back time and and replay this so i I don't know again part of that is also just because i don't feel bad for the rockets and you know they you know in a way it's probably better for the rockets to to not get the replay because then they can just complain about it but um i don't know i just i i just don't think you should have a replay of, of a game like this given given the circumstances involved so do we think Harden cares more about getting that win or those two points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. I don't know. Well, I think, he, that, I think I'm, that's a real question. He had one of the worst 50 point games in, in NBA history. <laughs> so for he probably, yeah, he probably would like to get a chance to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, rewrite yeah. that fourth quarter. Um, I mean, the irony is like, if you wiped out that fourth quarter, you know, Lonnie Walker had, what, 23 out of his career high, 28 points, I think I heard, after that play. So um, just a weird game because, I mean, the Rockets were comfortably winning. I think they hit a three shortly after that to go up 16. So they had no business losing kind of regardless. Um, And, yeah, it's kind of those things. That said, I will say this. I don't know if you have – well, first of all, let me say, do you have any other thoughts on that? I I mean, are you also in the no replay camp or – yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't think you can, I, like, I don't think there's any way, like, you're not going to play the final seven minutes of a game, like a couple of months down the track. And, you know, actually the wild thing about that game with uh, Miami and Atlanta that 
um, I was listening to No Dunks this morning and they brought it up. And this is this is the crazy thing about how you can even go back. So for that game, I think they played roughly the last 50 seconds or something like that and no one scored and the result remained the same, which is kind of ridiculous. But uh, the, the even crazier thing about that was is that uh, – they said that Shaq was actually traded and he wasn't even on yeah. the heat when they, when they replayed the game, yeah. which is just, yeah. so how can you replay seven minutes, 50 months down the track? That's it's for mine. That's equally as, as harsh on the Spurs as it is the Rockets. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's not fair for anyone. So that's, that's where I right. see it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I think there was a game in 78 where I believe, um, I think this was, I want to say this might've been the last protest game before the Shaq one. Um, I think there have been like four or five games that have been protested and actually like replayed parts of for, you know, in similar kind of fashion to what the Rockets are talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think in the 78 game, I want to say um, players were actually traded between the two teams. So literally <laughs> in the same game, there were players who scored for both teams, which is just like one of the fun, fun, of doing a protest. Um, the other thing, though, about this that I found so funny was um, Tim McMahon from ESPN, who he, he's on the Hoop Collective podcast. I, I have no negative feelings towards Tim McMahon. I think he's generally pretty solid. He covers sort of all the, like, Texas teams. Like, I think he's nominally a Dallas guy, but he covers, you know, the Rockets. He's, he's covered the Rockets a lot the last couple of years just because they've been so much better than the Mavericks up on, until this year. Um, but he had that tweet where, you know, he asked somebody with the Rockets and they, you know, uh, spun it as that yeah. they're confident that they're opt- optimistic. I think that the game will, you know, I, I forget the exact quote, but implying that the NBA might just give them the win <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you know, cause Oh, they were, it was tied at the end of regulation and they had two points taken away. Therefore they should have won, you know, like, okay. Uh, that that's kind of a, a, a jump of uh, to, to conclusions. Um, but McMahon like tweeting like this rocket source saying he's optimistic that, that Rockets will be able to replay the game or, or get a win. It was kind of like, all right, like, look, I know this is how NBA sourcing works, but like, you know, the Rockets just speaking into existence, like a win <laughs> in a game they lost, like screw that. Like I'm, I'm rooting against the protest purely based on that BS, like little tweet and, and whatever. So I don't know that that was, that was my thought on that. But um, again, guys, it may never, I, in my life, I'm not expecting it to get any better than watching Giannis Antetokounmpo when I did a night out. And, you know, we can say that the regular season may not be super important, um, but it's an opportunity to, to watch Giannis do just incredible things on a, on a nightly basis. And that is something that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving was last week, but we can be thankful for that, that, you know, 365 days a year. Yeah, Bucks and Clippers now as well. So, yeah, I mean, you touched on it. 13 wins the last time the Bucks did that. Uh, I don't know if I should give away my age, but I was 17 years away from being born. So uh, this is pretty rare what we're seeing, and it's fun. And now, uh, for all these games that we expected the Bucks were going to win, we we wondered, we spoke about the fact where they could get to this Clippers game on on such a winning streak and be uh, 19 and three when they get there. Now. We uh, cross our fingers that everyone plays. I, I don't think there's any indication that, that anyone's going to miss at, at this point from the Clippers' point of view. Uh, looks like Paul George and, and Kawhi will be in Milwaukee, but it's going to be fun. And as I said, 
Uh, we have got uh, tomorrow's podcast to to run through that. So we'll look at the Clippers game a little bit deeper there. We got a bit sidetracked with some some Rockets talk there, but it's uh, you know sometimes it's it's sometimes it's fun to 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 rip on uh, one of the rivals. So uh, we got that out of the way, but we will leave it there for now. The Bucks beat the Pistons again by a lot, one twenty seven to one oh three. They are nineteen and three on the season. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.